What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Healthspan Academy. I am your host, Craig Shearhart, and with me today is Dr. Casey Joe Orvitas, who is a psychologist and a specialist in coaching. She started her academic career with a BA in sociology and psychology from the University of Minnesota, and then completed a PhD in psychology from North Carolina State University. Went on to complete her precision level one nutrition course and is the owner of KJO Coaching. And she's really a specialist in improving client habits through improving sort of the the mental piece there. So today is all about how do we get over roadblocks and get people moving in the right direction mentally. Casey, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, absolutely. I'm super excited. Thanks for the nice intro as well. You also nailed my last name, which honestly is pretty rare. So Fair enough. (laughs) Cool. Um, I want to kick this off with how you got interested in psychology. It seems like that I think lends really well into coaching. Um, and I, I've, I've always found psychology fascinating. I've just kind of learned it on, on the side. How did that first come into your your radar? Yeah, honestly, like I was that kid who was very interested in psychology, even just in high school when I took my first. And I'm not sure if that's like super normal to have. That would have been in like 2010, 2009, even to have like I took like an AP psychology course in high school and really, really found it interesting. But like you said, most people find psychology interesting, at least to a degree. So found it really interesting when it was time to think about what I might have wanted to study in my undergrad. I was like, you know, I'll put psychology down for now, but like, I'm not convinced that's the direction I want to go because that's too easy, right? Like I already know what I want to do for the rest of my life. Like there's no way I, you know, everyone (laughs) thinks like it's interesting, but we'll start there type of thing. And so I started taking some courses at the um, undergrad level and got into it even more, kind of got really interested in research when it comes to psychology, joined some research labs and was like, honestly, tried really hard. I just had this conversation with one of my friends. Like, I tried so hard to convince myself that psychology wasn't the route that I needed to go because it <laughs> felt too easy. I yeah. literally was like, maybe um, orthodontistry, you know, maybe yeah. this other thing, you know, um, but really, really loved it. And actually the area of psychology that I was most interested in first, which is also unsurprising because a lot of people think it's interesting is like forensic psychology, criminal oh, psychology. Cool. So I spent a lot of my undergrad career actually in jails and prisons doing research and chatting with children of incarcerated parents. Um, wow. So that was kind of where the direction I thought I wanted to go originally and yeah. actually had some interest in becoming a prison warden, which is very <laughs> different than the direction I ended up going. Um, wow. When I tell people that, they're like, really? <laughs> but um Yeah. So really interested in psychology, though. I was also during college really starting to get interested in health and fitness for myself. I always played volleyball and was just like, that's how I got my exercise. And that's how Mm. I was if I was taught anything about nutrition, it was like through my coach, my volleyball coach, which was like very minimal, if anything. Um, And so leaving that and going to college, I knew I had to start working out on my own, but didn't really know what that looked like. I hated running, but I like ran all the time because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. All the stuff. But eventually, really started to learn more about strength training and all of these like baddest women out there at that Mm. time. It was like, um, Jamie Eason, Amanda Latona. I don't know if some Mm. of you may like hear those names. Oh yeah. I like forgot about those girls. Um, but bodybuilding.com was like the big thing then Mm. and really started to fall in love with like how strength training made me feel and just noticed how that like level of confidence and dedication very much so carried over into other areas of my life. So at that point, I was thinking like, okay, so, you know, I have this like criminal psychology interest, but so does everyone else. That's why, you know, NCIS exists and all of this stuff, but not everybody is like super, right, exactly, exactly. (laughs) But not everybody is super, super interested in health and fitness and strength training and all this stuff, right? Yeah. 
And I was also beginning to like notice all these things for myself, both like physically, mentally, like physique wise, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like confused why more people were not that interested in it and not dedicated to it. Um, yeah. And honestly, a big part of that is psychology and like understanding, yeah. you know, motivation and mindset and all of this stuff. So I ended up kind of deciding the direction I wanted to go was to blend those two worlds of health and fitness and psychology and mindset behavior change, that sort of thing. Awesome. I didn't really know, honestly, that much about mindset as a science at mm-hmm. all. Um, yeah. I understood that psychology, there was like a part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then came across the mindset lab at NC State where they were doing some of this work uh, along the lines of obesity and how your mindset about obesity plays a role in your health behaviors. And I was like, mm-hmm. that's actually really, really cool. That might be like helpful to answer this question that I had of why are more people not doing this stuff? Yeah. And sure. so, yeah, went and got my PhD in that area and know a lot about mindset now. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And that's like, I think the deeper you're going to coaching, the more you realize that's like, it's critical because you, you can have the best program in the world, but if people don't, can't take the right first steps to, you know, getting over mm-hmm. their, whatever their excuses are in their head that they're blowing up and making this reason for not doing it, right. it's never going to mm-hmm. happen. So that's kind of where I want to start this conversation is, um, I think every case is a little bit different and, t- and people will, I think, I don't know if there's a term for this in psychology, but pe- people tend to like over talk the excuses and make them bigger than they actually are in real life. Mm. So how do you walk someone through that and what boxes need to be checked before you're confident that someone's ready to actually make a meaningful change towards their health and, and fitness? Mm, that's a good question. So this is actually quite a quite relevant discussion because literally yesterday in the, so I run a program called the health mindset coaching certification. Mm -hmm. And it's a program for health and fitness coaches to learn some of this stuff that I was talking about that I learned in my PhD related to mindset and behavior change and psychology for a health and fitness coaching focus. Mm -hmm. So just yesterday we were on our group call and we were talking about something called the trans theoretical model. Um, It's also called the stages of change. Mm -hmm. And this is essentially a theory of change to better understand how people change so not necessarily why but Mm -hmm. how so walking kind of through and it's i keep making these circular motions here because it is more or less like a circular diagram yes exactly exactly (laughs) no people are listening to podcasts don't get these beautiful hand motions but um (laughs) but in this chart that you're talking about we're essentially starting people at a place of like not having any motivation to change. It's a motivation is really what the terminology is called Mm -hmm. moving towards like thinking about change, starting to figure out like, how am I going to go about this change? Like, what do I need to change? Okay. Now Mm -hmm. I'm starting this change. Now I'm actually actively changing. And now I'm like sustaining this change. right? Right. And that's essentially the process. And we have like some fancy terms throughout all of that, like contemplation, pre contemplation, action, maintenance, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, So what we were talking about yesterday and what is very relevant to this conversation is that if you can determine where someone is at on that model, like what step of the process, that should really be a big part of how you communicate with that right. person and Just better understand exactly meeting yeah. them where they're at um, and figuring out where they are. And this even goes through and how we we're speaking about it too, is like your messages on social media, you know, should be speaking to people who are at different 
stages in right. their change journey. Mm-hmm. Um, because otherwise, if you're always talking to these people who maybe are in the quote unquote action phase mm-hmm. and they're like there, they're ready to go, they're excited. The people who are like, should I even be making this change? Is this even for me? Yeah. That's all just going to fall in deaf ears, yeah. right? So taking some time and honestly, the stages of change is a great way to do this to really figure out where people are at in the change mm-hmm. journey. And then honestly, adjusting your communication method, style, and your coaching based on where that person is at can be super powerful. Yeah, um, that's that's a great answer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, and I think that's that's super key. And just even looking back at the years, I think that's like probably the hardest thing as a coach is, is, is adapting because you know, especially if you had these habits and working out is like automatic for you going back in time and thinking like, was there ever a time when I was like afraid to go to a gym or that mm. stuff? So it's so yeah. um, so I think like understanding the habits and the behavior and some of the psyche is, is super key there. I want to talk a little bit about um, the lapses. So a lot of people will get over that point. They're ready to make this, this change. Um, but there's something either, you know, an event happens in their life or they get sick or the, you know, ch- change job or just miss a few days mm-hmm. and they fall off the rails. And it's sometimes I find it's almost harder for them to get back the second mm-hmm. time. So how do you prepare for those lapses and 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 setbacks when you when you have those conversations with people kind of like uh prophylactically? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And this is a big part, I think, of really good coaching is just expectation setting. Mm-hmm. So whether that's expectations around like what the coaching relationship is going to look like, what type of results they can expect. I mean, mm-hmm. of course, no one wants to have that client who thinks that they're going to lose 30 pounds in a month and you guys never had that conversation. And then they're pissed when they've only lost five. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so, but setting expectations, you're still alive. Yeah, right. You're yeah. still doing it. Um, but setting expectations is super, super important. Something I harp on right. all of the time. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that should also be like setting expectations for things that are going to happen in your life. Mm-hmm. Right. Like shit's going to get hard. Things yeah. are going to get in the way. Like, yeah. can honestly in our intake form. So I own a health and fitness coaching business as well in the intake form for those clients. We literally have like an expectation sort of like map where they read each of these statements and have to initial next to them. And one of those statements is literally, Hey, like things are going to get difficult. Are you still ready and willing to show up during those difficult times to still Mm. check in with me? Because it can be hard, right? Being on that other side where you're like, God, I had the worst week ever. I don't want to disappoint my coach. I'm just, Mm. I'm just not going to check it. You know, it's silly. What's the point, right? Mm. But we're laying it out like literally initial next to this that you will still check in even during those difficult times, right? Um, So setting those expectations at the forefront is really important. And also just having that really legitimate conversation with your clients that like during those difficult times and when things don't go the best, that's actually the best time for you guys to be communicating and to having these conversations. And this is very much like growth mindset cultivation to say, you know, when you have those really horrible weeks or things don't go as planned, or you don't do the things that you thought you were going to do, like that's when you need to come to me and we can have a discussion and like really actually learn from those situations rather than just like, seeing them as something horrible and something that we should brush under the rug and not talk about, right? This is actually where we should be talking the most. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So, and I think to be really good at that, you have to be able to like, I mean, people are going to be vulnerable and how do you like, I think like there's a fear, you know, dealing with this coach is like this authority figure and getting people to be vulnerable, I find is one of the most challenging Mm -hmm. things. And I think the, the, what I found the key is just pulling away the layers, you know, the superficial layers, kind of, kind of like finding that commonality. So, what are some of the practical means that you found really effective uh, in your coaching experience for kind of like 
pulling back the layers and finding that that level, that kind of understanding where people are more comfortable being vulnerable? Yeah, oh, that's also a really good question. You've got a lot of good questions. Oh, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> thanks. Um, yeah, and like, I mean, this kind of to me stems just back to like connection and relationship, mm-hmm. and that's something that's just oh my god, so extremely important in a right. coaching in a coaching relationship, and it is a relationship, right? It's a coaching relationship. It's not just like coach and client like hang out. Like it's truly like you guys are cultivating a relationship, yeah. and honestly, I think that's something that's often not looked at as important as it should be mm-hmm. um, to the point where, I mean, I've been on sales calls for my coaching business where folks had worked with coaches in the past and literally said, I had great results. I learned a lot. I got what I came for, mm-hmm. but I don't want to work with them anymore because I just don't feel like I connected with them. Right. It happens all yeah. of the time. Yeah. So that is just, it's of the utmost importance for sure. So mm-hmm. like you're saying, you know, really trying to peel back the layers to get to a place where your client feels vul- that, they, that they can be vulnerable with you. Mm-hmm. A lot of that just comes down to making sure that you're building like that foundational relationship and that right. connection. Right. Mm-hmm. And of course, like if you can be vulnerable with them yeah. every once in a while too, like that's going to help as well. You know, yeah. you even see that like on social media and yeah, stuff, right? Like sure. when those bigger influencers and stuff are kind of like showing that they're real people and that they're yeah. vulnerable, vulnerable about things yeah. that brings those people to be feel more connected with them yeah. and see same thing goes there. I mean, it happens in any of your relationships, yeah. right? Um, so I think that that's important and not just kind of like sitting there assuming that you're just the authority figure in the situation, but mm-hmm. you're actually, you know, you don't have to be like the bestest friends ever, but yeah. having that kind of like layer of relationship can be really important for right. them to feel safe to share stuff with you. Yeah. Um, and ways to do that, things that I generally recommend is honestly just being careful that you don't get stuck in that only asking about food and exercise type yeah. of place, right? Taking a genuine and interest in their life. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly, exactly. So even if that just means adding questions to a check-in form that say like, tell me one good thing that happened this week that has nothing to do with health and fitness, mm, right? I love that. Um, yeah. yeah, something like that. Or yeah. keeping track of just where your clients are at. And I know for coaches who have like relatively large rosters, it can be hard, but like keep track of the little things that you didn't think you needed to. Like what's their dog's name? When, yeah. when did they say that they were going to be up for a promotion? Yeah. You know, where were they going to go for Christmas break? Like keep track of that stuff because yeah. then when stuff starts to roll around or you want to make a joke or about something, the fact that you can be like, context to, yes, yeah. yes, that's, that's exactly. so much more powerful than, Hey, how was your weekend? Well, they told you about your weekend. <laughs> so like, yeah, absolutely. Adding those little pieces. That's yes. Super, super valuable. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it seems, yeah. again, it can seem like, Oh, why would I like write those notes down and things like that? Like the names of their kids and things and things of that nature. But can be like so huge. Just like instead of saying like, oh, when you go out with your kids this weekend, you could say, oh, when you go out with Jack and Sally this weekend, yeah, like that yeah, already yeah. is going to kind of feel like you have For a sure. little bit more of a connection with them. Yeah. Um, so those little things they mean a yeah. lot. That's wild. I think who is it? Dale Carnegie said people's favorite word is their their name, and I, f- I feel like for a parent, mm. it's their child's name is their favorite. Yeah, word. right. Yeah, that's uh, that's brilliant. Um, <laughs> and I think like that being able to show that little layer of vulnerability is it's a I think that's one of the signs of a mature coach, someone that's been mm-hmm. doing this for a while. You're you're not mm-hmm. you willing to admit that you don't have all the answers and that you're, right. you're human and you make mistakes and stuff like that. Cause and um and I think like maybe that doesn't resonate with every client, but but to get that to peel back those layers, I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of how to mm-hmm. get there. I love that. Yeah, you actually something I would add to that too. I, I heard this the other day, I think it was on a podcast or something, but there's actually research that shows that people are more likely to be persuaded and to trust other people who don't act like they have all of the answers. Mm. So 
if someone yeah, is saying that makes like total sense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so if someone is saying, you know, like for me, right. I, I say I'm an expert in behavior change mindset and psychology, mm-hmm. but if I'm telling you explaining maybe some sort of like research phenomenon to you. And I'm also saying, you know, but this doesn't apply to every single context. We don't necessarily know how this works for, for these types of folks. And if it would actually work for you, people are going to believe what I'm saying and actually be persuaded by me Mm -hmm. so much more likely because I am essentially telling them that I don't know everything, Mm -hmm. which is like, so it kind of feels opposite at the same time. It does make sense, but, um, because you would think, oh, if she's an expert, then she knows all of the things about this. And if I'm coming to you and saying, no, actually I don't, but like, here's what I do know. Now you trust me instead of me saying, you know, I actually do know everything about this topic. Right. So really interesting. Mm -hmm. You can only take the BS so far before people (laughs) start to call you out. Um, So kind of along those lines, I want to ask you a little bit about, um, I think like as a coach, one of the traps that you you kind of get into is that when you start hearing the same problems, the same excuses, and the more you've heard that stuff, almost like you kind of fall on deaf ears or you get less empathetic and and less patient with that stuff. Um, Especially with like things that we see um, sort of superficially as like low level or basic problems or like just easy, easy answer solutions. Right. So how do you um, yourself or, or talking to your coaches, how do you get them to double down on being patient and empathetic through those types of conversations? Oh yeah. Another good one. Um, and it's something, it's something that comes up a lot. It's, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like I'm telling this client the same thing over and over again. We've had mm-hmm. this conversation six times, like, all of that, those types of things, or like you're saying, just in general, that we're hearing similar excuses, like I don't have enough time, yeah. right, from half of our roster at yeah. any given time. And it's let's kind pull of, up the calendar and see how much time you actually have. Yeah. <laughs> right, like like that. let's actually figure it out. Like let's, yeah. let's map out your day. And honestly, yeah, yeah. sometimes that can actually be helpful if you do that with a client too. Yeah, or true. you know, they say like, true. actually, you know what? I'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, but with that said, I think something to keep in mind that actually can be helpful, almost like for your own mindset as a coach is Mm -hmm. remembering that repetition is a huge part of behavior change. And people aren't going to change by hearing something one time, by Mm -hmm. doing something one time, thinking about yourself in any sort of skill you've ever developed in your life. Pretty sure you didn't practice it one time and then get the hang of it. Or takes a few reps. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Or even four, five times. Right. And there are plenty of things that I'm still learning to get better at that I've done it 10 times and I'm Mm -hmm. still not there. So keeping that in mind that like repetition is actually part of the process and Mm -hmm. part of your job as a coach is to provide that repetition for your clients so that they can pick up on things and actually make those behavior changes over time. Mm -hmm. I love that. Amazing. Um, I want to get into some of the tactics when we talk about like uh, mindset coaching and and some of this stuff is great. I think the first time you you hear the concept, like light bulbs go off, you're like growth mindset. This is unbelievable. I wish I'd learned this 20 years ago, right? Or, or self-appreciation, abundance versus scarcity. Um, I think when you, when you get to a certain point, you were kind of taught these things as they're dichotomous. You're either growth mindset or your fixed mindset, whereas everyone's realistically somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. And what I find for practicality is you have to, you have to find yourself in the right position in the middle. So how do you, how do you, I guess, get a sense for where calibrate, maybe where people are at on that type of curve. If we think like growth mm-hmm. mindset versus fixed mindset, I think if you go too deep into growth mindset, you lose your self appreciation. And if you're mm-hmm. too far, you're just paralyzed and you're just, you don't know where to start. Mm-hmm. So so what type of kind of questions do you start to ask to sort of calibrate where people are at and how to start to guide them through the, through that type of stuff? 
Yeah, yeah, that's good. And I'm glad that you point out that it's not usually that someone is like 110% growth mindset or 110% fixed mindset, and they usually fall in the spectrum. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, even in the research, how we really started talking about it is that people just have a strong or a weak growth mindset. It's not Mm -hmm. even that they are like totally fixed because most people, right, have a little bit of a growth mindset to some degree. Um, But that, I mean, that doesn't mean that there's people out there who don't have entirely a fixed mindset. There are, it's just like much more (laughs) rare, just like it's more rare to have someone who has like 110% growth mindset all the time. Um, So yeah, typically people are falling on this spectrum. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, as far as questions go like there definitely are some that you could ask i mean at a baseline level you could say like how maybe even putting on a scale of one to ten like scale of one to ten how confident are you in your ability to make this change or to do this thing um and like really ask them to be honest right Mm -hmm. self-report stuff is always going to be tricky um but really ask them to be honest and then once they choose a number ask them why it's not higher Mm -hmm. and also why it's not lower so in that case, you know, if someone says, oh, um, my confidence is probably like an eight out of 10, which is pretty solid. It's like, yeah. okay, well, why is it not any higher? And mm-hmm. at that point, you can start to hear what they have to say. And they may right. say, well, you know, in the past, I've definitely tried similar things like this mm-hmm. before, and it didn't always go so well. So I'm right. not going to tell you that I, I, I know that I'm going to be successful. And so you can start to think like, okay, maybe a little bit of a fixed mindset here. You know, they mm-hmm. think that how they were before is how they're going to be now. And it's yeah. going to like shape up the same way potentially. Mm-hmm. And then you say, okay, well, why isn't it lower than an eight? You know, why are you not a seven or a six? And that they'll come out and say, well, I am still really confident in my abilities to continue to push through adversity when things get hard. Like I'm still there to continue to try and things like that, which is yeah. great to hear. And you might go, okay, that's a pretty great growth mindset there mm-hmm. to understand that like, things are going to get hard and I am going to be able to like work through those things. And typically, you know, that's how I operate. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of see like how strong is that eight and is that eight truly in the eight or where are we at here? So like things like that can be helpful, but I also, I love the 10 scale. That's oh my gosh, yeah. they're my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> those <Yeah>. scaling <laughs> questions are my favorite. Yeah. Um, but I also think, you know, sometimes it's not even about asking questions, but it's just paying attention, right? Because right. again, with these questions, we're putting people on the spot to answer. And like, for the most part, humans like to answer in the way that they want to answer, not necessarily mm-hmm. how they actually are. Yeah. So what's even better is that if you as a coach can start to just pick up on when they have growth mindset type of language or fixed mindset type of language. Right. And some of their answers to, aren't like congruent with each other. You kind of like dig right. a little deeper. Yeah. Exactly. So you can yeah. start to think, well, wait, you said that before. Now you're saying this now and those don't mm-hmm. necessarily add up like what's going on here. But mm-hmm. you can see where they may kind of fall on that spectrum then based on right. like how often are you hearing the growth mindset stuff versus yeah. the fixed mindset yeah, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love that. Cool. Um, I've seen one of the things you you talk about is motivational interviewing, and um, and I found that like was probably game changer. I think in my kind of coaching career when we started, like, oh, I can let them be the expert Uh (laughs) answer questions, Uh, and it's and it's really self empowering. And I I think, um, as an outsider, this can it can almost seem like you're almost deflecting. So I want to ask, like, Mm -hmm. now that you've been doing this for a while and you become more of an expert in 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 it. How, um, what are the key principles in delivering this without seeming like you're just avoiding the answer? Like that, mm. you're, that you're not just handing over the reins, but like, you know, you figured it out, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, where's that, where's that line and how, and how do you sort of toe that line when you're sort of having those conversations? 
Yeah, good question. Um, so with motivational interviewing, I think the first thing to remember is like, yes, it's very powerful and can be a game changer, just like you mentioned, and absolutely was a game changer for me. Mm-hmm. But it also doesn't necessarily mean that every single one of your clients are going to benefit from it all of right. the time. Right. So it's great. But also, it should not be the only way that you mm-hmm. know how to communicate with your clients. Because yeah. yes, absolutely. Like motivational interviewing is not good for clients who are already like well on their way are figuring some stuff out themselves. Mm -hmm. And if we're using motivational interviewing with them, it can come off as like condescending. Yeah. Um, So we Mm -hmm. don't want to kind of that almost can slow them down at that point. Right. So we need to be very careful to like, not just like use it sort of as like a general method for Mm -hmm. all of our clients. Yeah. Um, So that's important. Number one. Number two, it's actually funny because I made a TikTok the other day about, I'm barely on TikTok, but I'm trying, okay? Um, (laughs) Made a TikTok about reflective listening, which is a big part of motivational interviewing and talked about it and how it's like a pretty powerful option to help people kind of like work through any sort of like ambiguity or um, ambivalence rather. And someone had commented and said, Actually, you know, someone had that did this to me recently and I felt really, it didn't really feel good. It did feel condescending. Right. So like, it doesn't work, obviously, type of thing, right? These are people commenting on TikTok. This is typically how they say, like, you're wrong (laughs) um, because this is what happened to me. And so, I mean, I just responded and said, well, it sounds like this person like didn't use it in the right way or that it's not what you needed at that time. Um, So I think with that, like with reflective listening, and that's where I think it can kind of come off as like you are almost like dismissive or like just beating around the bush, like not getting to it because Mm -hmm. with reflective listening, we're quite literally just like reflecting what the other person said. So if someone is saying, I'm really frustrated with my weight loss progress and I feel like nothing ever goes right. And you come back and say, okay, so what I'm hearing you say is that you're feeling pretty frustrated right now Mm -hmm. because it seems like no matter what you do, you just can't seem to lose weight and keep it off. Like, does that sound right? And it does, it is kind of like this. Yes. That's what I said. You know, (laughs) so again, (laughs) if someone is frustrated, it can go in the negative direction. Yeah. Um, but I would say number one, like tone is so important. Um, and being careful too, this is where, in like the online, like remote coaching age, we have to be extra careful right. not to always be trying to using to use these skills in like email format or anything like that. This is right. why I absolutely love things like voice memos or like loom videos. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do have the opportunity to get on the phone, that's where this stuff can be like super powerful. Mm-hmm. So tone is really important. And I also think um, oftentimes if we're not even necessarily with reflective listening, but just doing more permission asking, which is part of motivational interviewing. Um, But just kind of setting the stage in this way, like, hey, I have some ideas for you that I'd like to run by, or I have some thoughts that I don't want to come off in any sort of way. I'm truly just trying to better understand the situation. Would you be open to hearing yeah. them? Because as Super soon as you have for those like first few conversations, especially mm-hmm. until you figure out your own kind of conversation dynamics with the person. Right. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And so like getting to the point where you actually have like some buy-in at that point, right. And that person said, yes, you know, tell me the things or like, I'm ready for the tough love, like that sort of thing um, can put you in a better position than to, yeah, if you're using reflective listening or any other sort of like MI method at that point, you've already kind of like got the permission that you can do these things. So it kind of just like sets the stage in a good way too. Yeah. I, I love that. That's great. I want to segue a little bit into nutrition because I've done the precision course too, and I've been doing nutrition coaching. And, and these tools are are can be really great. I think in a lot of cases too. Um, I want to talk just kind of your general approach to to nutrition. I think like the the sort of 
industry standards moving towards a more stepwise than like a solution-based uh, approach to that. Is that, is that generally how you tackle that thing? Or do you do a bit of more assessment? Is it kind of more case by case? Or are you generally trying to like, like you said in the beginning, meet people where they're at and then mm-hmm. talk them through those next steps in a stepwise kind of manner? Yeah. Yeah. It's 110% personalized. Right. So not like no cookie cutter templates, no meal plans, no nothing over here for sure. Um, mm. Which honestly sometimes makes it hard to explain to people like how we do things like you, yeah. like this question you're asking, you know, like, okay, well, how does the nutrition coaching actually work? Well, it's like, mm-hmm. well, it could go this way or it could go that way or we yeah. can do this thing or we can do that thing, you know, and then that might change, you know, or we may try something different. Um, but I honestly think that's like what makes good coaching is mm-hmm. being able, like this kind of brings a full circle to what we said at the beginning, but just being adaptable yeah. and being able to understand when you need to change your methods or do things a little bit differently and not be stuck in this yeah. thing where you've always done things as mm-hmm. a nutrition coach. Yeah. And if something's not working for that person, just getting frustrated and being like, well, they don't, I guess they just don't know how to track macros. So we can't, we can't do <laughs> macros and I can't help you. Right. Um, yeah. so like really, I think, that's like at the baseline level, just trying to keep it as personalized as possible and adaptable and engage the client in those decisions. Right. Um, which yeah, comes back to motivational interviewing again, but just making sure that the client is always in the driver's seat and it's their life. And like, they're the expert on their life. You aren't. And really just trying to be more like the, the question asker and the researcher, honestly, on their life to make the best decisions for them, knowing that it also may not be the right decision, but there's only, you know, so much that you can do until you try. And then you're supposed to take that data and then continue to like iterate on that. Yeah. It's this really cool dynamic where like you start out and you're, you know more about nutrition than they do, but they know more about themselves than you do. So you're Mm kind of like both kind of like, it's kind of this dance back and forth where you're learning about them and they're learning about nutrition. They're taking turns being the expert in them. And um, it's, uh, and it's cool when that kind of comes together and like light bulbs start going off. And then, and I think that's when you can kind of like big deep and start to peel away those layers and stuff like that. absolutely love that approach. Um, Yeah. I like that analogy of it being kind of like a dance between like your wisdom as like a nutrition expert and their wisdom as like an expert on their lives. And it kind of being like this constant exchange of like information and understanding um, to the point where, yeah, I mean, it's a relationship. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And it's, it's it's as much dependent as you learning about them as it is about them learning about nutrition. It's uh, it's a cool, cool dynamic. Yeah. I love that. Um, So kind of on that note, I want to ask you about, um, differences you've noticed in your own coaching from from now to the early days is it is it more that it's gone further into client centered kind of coaching or like uh is it is it more use of motivational interviewing what are the main principles you find that you've uh evolved towards over the years mm-hmm. definitely feel like because I started coaching in 2015, so long time ago, and this was prior to me having a whole ton of knowledge about motivational interviewing. About mm-hmm. it was just you know getting into my PhD, learning about mindset and behavior change. So I yeah. do think, as much as I like hate to admit it, <laughs> I was a little bit more of like a cookie cutter approach. Yeah. Like this is how I know how to do things, but I truly yeah. just didn't know any different. It's kind of impossible. I think like yeah, a first coach, is. you figure out a solution for yourself and like, okay, this is how everyone else needs to do it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which for some people, it absolutely yeah. still worked, you yeah, know, absolutely. but definitely not for everybody. So, sure. um, yeah. So I think over time, I think I've evolved not only in like my communication methods and like you said, just being more client centered, but also Mm -hmm. opening doors to like other aspects from like the nutrition perspective, different aspects of how to do things. So like, Mm -hmm. not everyone needs to track macros, not everyone needs to track calories, or there's a lot of different ways to just track macros, you know, you could track 
only protein within calories mm-hmm. or, you yeah. know, just focus on um, different aspects of that. And then, yeah, there's an entire world of like, let's just focus on portions or yeah. habit-based coaching and things yeah. like that. So just I added a lot of different tools to my toolbox, which, you know, that's how coaching should evolve sure. for most people, I would hope. Um, but it's also a really big reason why I created HMCC, the health mindset coaching certification, because I realized like going through my PhD, like, whoa, 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 like this stuff, there's a really, really, really big difference. And none of my nutrition certifications, courses, whatever, have mentioned this at all. Like, what is going on here? (laughs) So um, that was like a really big reason why I was like, let's accelerate this for other people when I didn't necessarily have that. Like, obviously did going through a PhD, but I don't need everybody to get a PhD in order order to have this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be a bit of a process. Just complete the PhD, uh, you know, four years, maybe postdoc or so. And then we'll talk about getting involved in the the program. Right. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Um, I want to talk about sort of more about your service and stuff like that. And we have going on for the rest of 22, but, uh, before we get into that, if, um, talk about your favorite client transformation that you've had over the years, uh, oh. I know it's probably a tough, probably a loaded question, but, um, maybe it was a big challenge going in. Maybe it was just an incredible transformation and you didn't like, so talk, just talk about like in general terms, what that would look like for you. Yeah. Um, well, I even have, I'm thinking about two different women right now. Um, one that I've been working with for five years at this point, wow. which is really cool because it's, she's kind of seen the evolution of my coaching as that's well. That's an eternity for a coach, coach, uh, client relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Had her for a very long time. So I think it's, it's my mind goes to her originally just because mm-hmm. like I've been able to see her evolve so much and she's been able to see me evolve so much. And we've right. continued to be able to like do that dance for as yeah. long as that we have. Yeah. And it's at this point too, and like something I definitely want to preface this with is that it's not, she could coach me at this point. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but so that I'm very proud of is that she could like go out there and be a coach if she wanted to. Yeah, she amazing. still hangs around for the accountability, the education, mm-hmm. the camaraderie, the connection. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I get that. And like, I mean, I'm, a coach and I have a coach. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you're not like good enough to do this on your own yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I'm really proud of her transformation over time, not only just like physique and like physical type of goals, but also mm-hmm. of course, just like her mindset yeah. and her honestly, her own communication with me over that period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, the other client that I'm thinking of is someone who I actually just wrapped up working with and we spent about two years together. Mm-hmm. And she actually like I think close to a decade ago had a pretty severe eating disorder, but at that point has like, it's been a decade. So she's like very much so in recovery at this point. Um, But it was something that's still like, it's always going to come up. Right. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, like, even if you haven't had a severe eating disorder, like the Mm -hmm. truth is a lot of women still have some sort of like disorderly thoughts about their bodies or food or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, That's just the world that we live in. So It's actually, this is something I'm proud of that is more recent because she actually recently went back to working with the therapist that she worked with during her eating disorder days. And Mm. her therapist actually wrote me an email telling me about how much I helped her in the last two years that I worked with her. Oh my God. Yeah. That's like you, all of the tears, Uh but just telling me specifically how much her mindset has shifted how different she hold, how different she just like holds herself in yeah. the therapy sessions. And she said, you know, it's been a long time since I've worked with her, but mm-hmm. she even attributes a lot of like how things have been different to you. And like, I wanted you to know that. And I'm like, Oh yeah. my God. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's wow. So, I, I love yeah, that. And I think really like cool. people are, I think harder to notice changes in themselves when you hear it from like a, uh, someone that's seen the change from, from point A to point B, 
that's so much cooler. And that's kind of like, those mm-hmm. are the ones that stand up for myself too, is like when it's someone's mom, it's like, oh, the child went from this to this. And it's like, wow, that's like, you know, I didn't see it, but you know, cause you right. see it every day, it happens so much slower, but they notice the changes probably mm-hmm. more than anyone else. So it's, that's super cool. I love that. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, Casey, I want to talk about what you got going on for the rest of the year. What kind of services, what can we look forward to from for you for the rest of 2022? Yeah, the rest of the year. So we just started actually our final cohort of the year for the Health Mindset Coaching Certification. So this is something that I run twice a year currently um, as this is airing. Uh, it is sort of like a self-paced, but also instructor-led at the same time. So all of like the meat and the content of the course is done somewhat on your own time on a weekly basis. So you have something to watch every week, but then we'll meet for a live discussion and Q&A. So it is still like, I'm there with you every step of the way, but cool. um, still a little bit of like, do it on your own time type of situation. Mm-hmm. So because of that, I only run it twice a year. So it's like, doors are open, doors are closed type of situation. But next next time will be like spring of 2023 for that. Um, as far as one-on-one health and fitness coaching goes, that is year round. Come and join us whenever you want. We're always available to hang out with you. Awesome. Um, but yeah, outside of that, like those are kind of my two big main babies that I take care of. But cool. outside of that, I always have, um, some fun, like lower level, like workshops, um, things that kind of get, get you started. Honestly, I just, uh, released something called the mindset coaching kickstart that is for nice. coaches. Um, it's like a hundred bucks or something. Um, so that's always available. And then I have like bukus of free stuff as well, like so much. Sweet. <laughs> so please come and get that if anything. <laughs> Amazing. Awesome. That's fantastic. Uh, I want to ask you a little bit about your your personal habits. And this is, um, I think as a coach, obviously you can get pulled in different directions and your own mindset's got to be on your mind when you're talking to other mm-hmm. people's mindset and that kind of stuff. Um, and it's easy to kind of get pulled in different directions. What's at the top of your priority list with your own kind of personal health and fitness? And what do your habits look like around that? Top of my priority list. Um, It's interesting. And this is actually interesting to talk about from a mindset perspective, because to me, it's almost like, are they my priorities? Or are they just things that I just do? Yeah, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like, are they like things like, you know, drinking water, I'm getting 160 ounces plus every day without thinking about it. So is it a priority? Or is it just like part of my life at this point? But I guess it's a priority. Yeah. Um, So it could be a whole podcast episode in and of itself talking about some of this. It's like, I mean, it's very very deep, very fast. Um, And like going to the gym, you know, I'm there four to five times a week. Actually, something that I could speak on is that I'm trying to get a little bit more, I guess, diversified with my exercise. Like I am essentially a bodybuilder without ever stepping on stage. So that's the type of workouts that I'm used to that I really, really enjoy. I'm not trying to give up, but also trying to do a little bit more. I also enjoy like hiking and stuff, but I just don't do it frequently enough. So something I've recently got into is hot yoga and I love it. So I recently actually put myself on the hook to to even, um, I have like an unlimited membership and I'm trying to go twice a week. So just to do something else, you know, and try other things. And yoga is great also just for me to like stay off my phone and do cardio in a different way and like be be really like present with my body and and things like that. So um, honestly, that's like a pretty solid priority for me right now is to just like experiment with different things. And honestly, yoga has been really cool. I love that. Amazing. Well, it's been a fantastic talk, Casey. I really appreciate the time. What's the best place for people to link up with your content? Probably Instagram. I know I said TikTok. You can definitely try, <laughs> but I'm also still trying. Um, but I am Coach Casey Joe over on Instagram. It's Coach cool. with a C, but Casey with a K. Um, and then Instagram or TikTok rather is the same if you do want to check that out. But for the most part, I hang out on 
Um, Instagram, that's a great place. Also, any of like the free resources and stuff that I had mentioned, you can find there, like link in the bio, that uh, sort of thing. Um, my website's also a great place to just like find everything as well, which is just kjocoaching.com. Awesome. We'll link to all your, your goodies in the show notes. Well, again, thanks for the time. This has been an amazing chat. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks for tuning in this episode of Healthspan Academy, guys. We'll see you next time. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for tuning in today. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Thank you so much for supporting this channel. This has been a fun project. We are growing in viewership every single week, and we obviously couldn't do that without you. So thank you for continuing to tune in. I really hope you're getting value out of the, the programming and the content. Just wanted to give you a heads up. I've been working on a, a book on health and longevity the last couple of years. been collaborating with my colleague, Dr. Dan Vitale, who's uh, an expert in the field as well. And we, we've basically just kind of summarized the literature, some of the techniques that we found really useful in the world of biohacking, what our exercise regimen looks like, what's, you know, cardio type stuff is going to help us live longer and healthier, a mobility work, nutrition. We've covered the whole spectrum, everything that you can basically be in control of in your health and fitness kind of moving forward to help you live as healthily as possible for as long as possible. And it's available free for download. So if you click on the YouTube banner, you'll see a link to download the, the blueprint. It's also on our Instagram profile or on the website. You can click on fivepillarmethod.com slash optimize to get your free copy of the book. And I hope you enjoy it. Hope you're keeping well. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you next time.